everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about the fact that there is no such thing as a normal stock market environment. Everybody thinks that we should be reverting to some mean. Uh, everybody thinks that we should be going in some certain direction when it comes to the stock market itself. But when it really comes down to it and you look empirically at the data, uh, you really find that there's no such thing as normal in the stock market over a long period of time. And I'm going to make that case to you today. And hopefully this can help you uh, to better conceptualize the fact that markets are ever changing and they're ever fluctuating, but that's okay. And when new things happen, that's okay too. Because even though we haven't seen something happen before, doesn't mean that it won't happen in the future and doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good or bad thing moving forward. Before we get started though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin working together pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to the show on a day-to-day basis. Now today's episode is really predicated on uh, an article that I read recently that was put out in late July by Ben Carlson, uh, who is, if you haven't seen it before, he's uh, the co-host of a show called Animal Spirits. It's a podcast, and it's on the YouTube channel The Compound, and uh, that's all these individuals who work for Ritholtz Wealth Management, and you may have seen like Josh Brown on uh, CNBC before. He puts in commentary all the time. Well, Ben Carlson works with uh, Josh Brown, okay? And Ben Carlson wrote this article talking about how there's no such thing as a normal market environment and really caught my eye. Uh, it really made me think, well, then, you know, what is really going on in the market from year to year? Why do I think that there should be some normality? Why do I think uh, that there are normal valuation metrics that we should hit? Why do I think uh, that we should increase by the same normal amount over time if we're going to continue to increase, right? All of these ideas that I have, he poked holes in, okay? And so uh, I wanted to share these things with you guys because maybe Maybe you have some of the same thoughts about the markets, uh, and I don't want you to be misled. I don't want you to think uh, that, hey, you know, the market is a normal thing. It's going to provide normal returns over a long period of time because the long and the short of it is it's just not. Right. So he says that it seems like every six months or so something happens that has never happened before. Right. We see this all the time. There's a reason for this. Life is messy and unpredictable, and so are markets. It's interesting to look at historical averages, but averages mask how crazy markets can be at times. Right. I, I tell you guys all the time that the market over the last hundred years has increased by like 10.75% annually. Okay. And so that makes you think, well, okay, most years are going to look like about 10.75%. But 
The truth of the matter is, is that most years don't look anything like 10.75%. And that's going to be part of what we talk about today. Now, there's no magic equilibrium that markets reset to over time. There's no such thing as a normal market environment. Uh, and so a popular complaint by many investors over the past number of years is that markets are manipulated by like the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government based on the amount of stimulus that is put into the market. And people believe that market prices and valuations are artificially high, right? That's an argument that you hear all the time. You hear, oh, well, valuation metrics can't stay this high. And, you know, prices can't stay this high based on X, Y, or Z. Okay, it'd be hard to argue that the interest rate policies and stimulus don't impact markets, right? Interest rates serve as a discount rate and they uh, make it to where, okay, if the interest rates are lower, it's cheaper for companies to borrow. If it's cheaper for companies to borrow, then they can grow faster. Uh, that's a very real thing. Okay, but many people will tell you that once markets normalize, things will be much different. Stocks will crash, bonds will get slaughtered, and the government won't be able to handle its growing pile of debt. All these things are possible, but it's important to remember that there's no such thing as a normal market environment. So let's just start uh, with bond yields over time. Let's start with the 10-year Treasury yield because this is uh, kind of the, the most quoted uh, of the bond yields that there are out there. Okay, so from 1928 to 2021, this is broken down uh, into, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five, two percent ranges, and then uh, 10% and higher from there. Okay. And it says, okay, what percentage of the time do these 10 year treasury yields fall in these particular bands that we like to put them in, right? Why do we think uh, of this, you know, 3% number is so magical? Why do we uh, look at treasury yields with uh, a very critical eye sometimes? Okay, so zero to 2% only has happened 4.1% of the time over the long term. And my guess is that would be uh, some of the most recent times that we've had, even currently the 10 year treasury being below 2%. Then, 2 to 4% has occurred 46.2% of the time. So that provides you some basis for thinking that, yeah, this is where the 10-year treasury should be most of the time. Okay, but 4 to 6% has happened 19.3% of the time. 6 to 8% has happened 16.3% of the time. 8 to 10, 7.7% .7 of the time. And 10% and higher, 6.4% of the time. And so what what we're seeing here, even though two to four percent holds uh, such a heavy weight in our mind, right? If you just do some very very simple math here, you will realize that of the fifty three point eight percent that has not been that two to four percent, forty nine point seven percent of the time has actually been above four percent. Okay, now it's not broken down that way, but more often than it's been two to four percent, it has been above 4%. Okay, so we think about this, you know, 2 to 4% range uh, or even a 3 to 5% range sometimes, but uh, that doesn't happen as often as we actually think. And although the current rate environment ranks well below the long-term averages, the 10-year has been below 2% nearly one-fifth of all months since the year 2000. So we may be seeing something that is going to continue over a longer period of time. Maybe not. It's certainly possible that rates will surge higher in the coming years, but investors have to at least consider the possibility that we're in a new regime of low Lower rates because this is something you hear all the time you hear and and I even believe this and I think about this uh, that oh rates must increase rates must go up from here right there's no way that we can go lower and the fact of the matter is is that we've actually been low for quite a while and if you've been low for quite a while who's to say uh, that you can't go lower or stay where you are for some period of time now 
That is the 10-year treasury. Now, what about stock market valuations over time? Now, Robert Schiller, and I've told you guys about Schiller before. Uh, he is uh, the individual who won the Nobel Prize in economics, and uh, he also has created many metrics and written several books, such as Irrational Exuberance. And he has uh, what's called the Cyclically Adjusted Price-to-Earnings Ratio, or the CAPE Ratio. Okay. Now, this CAPE Ratio is at its second highest reading in history. So basically saying that stocks are, on a cyclically adjusted PE basis, the second most expensive that they have ever been. Okay, so right now, or this was, you know, a month ago or so, it was sitting at 37 times the trailing 10 years worth of inflation-adjusted earnings for the S&P 500, which is well above the average of 18.5 times since 1928. But valuations over time have fluctuated wildly around that long-term average. So we think, okay, 18.5%, uh, we got to, you know, just kind of hang out around that number. Well, that doesn't really happen. Okay. Stock market valuations of less than 10 times the CAPE ratio have happened 11.3% of the time. 10 to 15 times has happened 26.6% of the time. 15 to 20 times has happened 22.9% of the time. 20 to 25 times has been 19.6% of the time. 25 to 30 times, 11.8% of the time. And then 30 times or higher, 7.8% of the time. Okay, so even though uh, this seems like something that you know doesn't occur often, and and it is uh, the lowest percentage on this particular chart when you're talking about uh, 37 times trailing 10-year earnings, right? Um, that is not as low an amount of the percentage of the time as you would expect, right? If people are going to freak out about it, uh, you would expect for it to be a very, very rare occurrence. But the truth of the matter is, is that you compare it with some of the other, uh, you know, ratio bands that I was looking at here, uh, and it's really not all that different. While the CAPE ratio has spent less than 8% of the time above 30 times since 1928, it's been above that level nearly one-third of the time since 1995, when the internet entered our lives in a meaningful way. And in fact, there's been a slow movement higher in valuations over the long term. Okay, so we see that over two-thirds of the time since 1995, since the year that I was born, it's been above 30 times. Okay, so maybe this isn't something that we should be freaking out about. So the average stock market valuation uh, is going up over time. So if you look at since 1928, the average CAPE ratio, yes, is 18.5, right? 18.5 times earnings. Then you look since 1950, though, it's 19.8 times, so increasing there. You look since 1980, 22.6 times, okay, increasing there. Since 1995, 27.5 times, okay, increasing there. Okay, so are we just in uh, this area of higher valuations? Is it going to simply stay there? Uh, are there just more market participants than there have ever been? And so it drives prices up. There may be many uh, different you know, logical explanations for this, but it doesn't necessarily mean that stocks have to go down. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, that we have to freak out and be like, well, valuations are way too high. It's way overbought. It's way crazy just based on the fact that we see a metric that we have not seen before. Because if you break it down in this more logical way, 
you figure out that like, hey, maybe this isn't as crazy as we make it out to be. So a combination of lower interest rates, increased Fed intervention, technological innovation, and decreasing costs to trade have elevated average valuations over time. It can be difficult to use historical averages to make decisions as an investor when those averages are a moving target, okay? And I think we try to do this way too often. We try uh, to hit some average. Again, I was talking earlier about, uh, you know, trying to make some certain returns. We try to hit this average of returns, okay, this 10% average of returns. But the truth of the matter is, is that most, most of the time returns just aren't that 10% returns just uh, fluctuate quite wildly, but they just come down to that long term average. So we move on. All right. So not only are valuations something that we, uh, you know, look at in this way, we also look at inflation in this way. Okay. Inflation has a similarly wide variance over time. Okay, we, we talk all the time about uh, we want inflation to be 2% or 3% or whatever. Well, let's see how often it's really within those bands. Inflation was negative 10.8% of the time, Okay, so deflation, uh, which is really crazy if you compare it to some of the other numbers that we see here for inflation that that happened more often. But nonetheless, 0 to 1% inflation 5.4% of the time, 1 to 2% inflation 20.4% of the time, 2 to 3% inflation, 19.4% of the time. Then 3 to 4% inflation, 16.1% of the time. 4 to 5%, 6.5% of the time. 5 to 6%, 5.4% of the time. 6 to 7%, 4.3% of the time. And then greater than 7%, 11.8% of the time. So what do we see here? Majority of the time, inflation has been substantially over 2% over the long term. Okay, yet we look at this uh, 2% you know, number that the Fed gives us that's saying like, hey, we want to keep inflation around 2%. And we think, oh, well, this is just where inflation is going to be. And the truth of the matter is, is that that is just not the case over a long period of time. So we freak out when we see 4% numbers, 5% numbers. But then you really look and you find that those are not as uncommon uh, as we may think that they are. Now, they are uncommon relative to the recent past, okay? But that recency bias gets us in this place where we have certain expectations and when those expectations aren't met then everybody freaks out and maybe freaks out for nothing we don't know whether or not they freaked out for nothing or not but um, we will find out soon enough okay now the average annual inflation rate since 1928 is around three percent but two-thirds of the time that number has come in below two percent or above four percent one-fifth of all years have seen inflation over five percent while the u.s has experienced deflation one out of every 10 years which it's hard to even imagine deflation one out of every 10 years the u.s stock market so we move from inflation even though inflation is extremely relevant to how we trade right now and our expectations right now. All right, let's move from inflation and let's talk about the stock market's returns. Okay, the stock market has averaged an annual return from 1928 to 2020 of 9.8% annually. However, the returns over any given year have been anything but average. Okay, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Okay, so from 1928 to 2020, S&P 500 calendar year returns. Okay, 20% down or worse, so negative 20% or worse, 6.5% of the time. It was negative 10 to negative 20%, 6.5% of the time. Okay, it was negative 10 to 0%, 14% of the time. Okay, so you add all those numbers up, and 27% of the time over a calendar year, the S&P 500 is negative. This is crazy, right? Who would expect that you know a, an index that goes up uh, on average about 10% annually would be down 
27% of years since 1928. Just doesn't seem logical. Okay. But okay, then you would expect that there would be some things that counteract uh, this idea that uh, they are negative that often. Okay. And you would be right. So zero to 10%, the market makes zero to 10%, 15.1% of the time, 10 to 20%, 22.6% of the time. So that is the um, most common occurrence. It's most commonly 10 to 20% up on a given year, 20 to 30%. Okay, so you feel like this is just a crazy 20 to 30%, 16.1% of years. And then what about 30% or better? Probably not very often, right? Wrong. 19.4% of the time. That is the second most common of these annual return bands that we're looking at here. 30% or better is the second most common that we have at 19.4% of the time. Okay, so investors in U.S. stock market have been more than twice as likely to receive a gain of 20% or more in a calendar year than a gain in the 0 to 10% range, even though we find those to be the most reasonable because of long-term averages. And more than 40% of the time, annual returns of the stock market have been gains of 20% or better or losses of 20% or worse. Things tend to be far less volatile in the boring land of fixed income, but even bonds have seen wide variation in returns from one year to the next. Okay, so even though we don't talk about bonds a ton on this show, right, we talk about the S&P 500, we talk about stocks, we're talking about all these different uh, asset classes, inflation, uh, treasury yields, all these things. Well, let's talk about bonds as well. Okay, if you look at uh, the 10-year treasury returns, okay, the 10-year treasury returns, so what have been the returns from 1928 to 2020 in each calendar year, okay? It has been negative 17.2% of the time, and obviously uh, a bond's value can go down uh, because of changes in interest rates, and that is very true in this case. That's how you're going to get some negative return here. So 17.2% of the time, negative. 0 to 3%, 28% of the time, not surprising. 3 to 6%, 22.6% of the time, not surprising. But what will surprise you, I'll kind of spoil here, that neither of those are the most common occurrence over the last 93 years or 100 years or whatever, right? 6 to 9% was 7.5% of the time. So that's less often than, you know, the 0 to 6% ranges. And then 9% or better, 9% or higher, 24.7% of the time. So the return on a 10-year treasury bond has been 9% or higher nearly 25% of the time, which is crazy for us to even think about based on current yields. Okay, it's very, very crazy that that's the case. Treasury bonds have averaged roughly 5% annual return in this time, but half of all years have experienced gains of more than 6% or negative performance. Studying market history can be helpful to provide a baseline when setting expectations about the future, but it's important to remember there's no such thing as a normal market environment. Okay, so there's no such thing as a normal market environment in the stock market. There's nothing normal about inflation. There's nothing normal about bonds. There's nothing normal about valuations, right? There is just nothing normal about the market environment at any given time because things fluctuate, because things change. So how should we act in light of the fact that things change? So as investors, we need to remain very unchanged, right? We need to be doing things in a very predictable way. That way, even though 
uh, things in the short term are not going to turn out in the way that we think that they are, uh, over the long term, if the averages are to hold, we'll continue to make uh, you know good returns on our money, especially when it comes to the stock market making 10% annually. Uh, even though you know year by year it doesn't look like 10% is going to occur, the only way that you're going to get that long-term average is by getting invested and staying invested. It's not going to be likely that you get that long-term return if you're constantly jumping in and jumping out of the market uh, or trading you know, very actively. It's not likely that you're going to end up getting those returns that somebody who just invests and continues to invest and continues to invest is going to get. Okay, So even though we see these long-term averages, even though we see that there are some uh, things that the market expects over time, the market does not provide to expectations. Okay, The market does not provide returns that we would expect year over year. The market does not bring inflation that we would expect year over year. The market does not bring returns on treasury bonds that we would think would be commensurate every single year. Okay, So we have to understand that even though over the long term we can look and we can go, okay, a 10% annual return or whatever, right? You can't just get in the market and believe that every single year you're going to make 10% because being down is no surprise, right? Uh, being down is a very, very common thing, uh, but being up by a whole, whole lot is a very, very common thing as well. Okay. So you have to be able to ride the market. You have to be willing to take both the good and the bad in order to get the good long-term average. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we're not just going to float around those long-term averages for long periods of time. We are going Going to have to get used to fluctuations. We're going to have to get used to volatility. And that is what most people have problems with. Most people have problems with the fact that volatility is not comfortable. Volatility is not something that they are comfortable with dealing with time and time and time again and having to deal with every single month or having to deal with every single year. They don't like volatility. But if you can deal with the volatility of not just stock prices, but the volatility of inflation, the volatility of bond yields, the volatility of you know, valuations, whatever, everything, right? Everything that is market-based has some level of volatility. If you can just get used to that and just ride it, then the long-term outcomes can be very, very good. So this really speaks to the need of long-term investing, right? This speaks to the need of putting money into the market, continuing to put money into the market over the long term, systematically stacking up money into the market, investing, 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 and never stopping, continuing to put money away time and time and time again in order to get those average returns. Because if you're just uh, investing for a short period of time, if you're just uh, you know in and out, if you're trying to make money over a short period of time, uh, then it's not likely that you're going to be able to come out with the same returns as someone else. Because let's say that I'm going to you know put money into the stock market, right? And I'm saying, okay, I'm just going to put it in for a year and just see what happens. I'm going to put it in for a year and see what type of money I can make. Well, based on history, there's a 27% chance that I would lose money over the course of that year. And so if you ever wonder why I tell you don't invest uh, your emergency fund, because if something happens within the course of a year, there's a 27% chance that you could lose money. Right? And that's not what we want. We want you to be making money uh, or have that money there, especially in the case of an emergency fund, in order to grow it over time. But at the same time, right, uh, there is a very, very high chance that you make above 10%. Okay, so you've got 22.6%, that's 10 to 20% annual returns, 20 to 30% annual returns are 16.1% of the time, and then 30% or better is 19.4% of the time, okay? So you really add all those up, uh, you're looking at over half the time, you're making over 10%. 
which is very, very substantial, right? This is a very, very substantial statistic uh, that we have to take into account. Okay, so we can expect some big return years. We can expect that, right? But we can also expect some years where we are down. Uh, we can expect that, you know, one in four years over the last hundred years, we have been down approximately, okay? So uh, even though there is very good, there is also very bad that can happen in the short term on the other side. And we have to remember that this is all in the short term because we're looking on annualized basis, right? We're not looking over 10-year periods or even five-year periods. We're just looking at year by year, okay? If you smooth this out over a 10-year period or smooth this out over a 20-year period, then the amount of negative years in the U.S. stock market would be almost zero, okay? But the fact that we look at single years uh, tells us that uh, we can't rely on any single year for our returns. We have to be in over a long period of time. Get in, stay in, continue putting money in, buy at low prices, buy at high prices, and you won't be sorry that you did. Now, something else that I want to add to this as we uh, kind of wrap up today is that even though we have expectations about financial markets, even though we know what they have done over the long term, we know uh, what you know the averages are, we know all these different things, Okay, doesn't mean that we should get into financial markets and specifically the stock market in order to make the average returns. That's not the reason that we should be jumping in. We should be looking at long-term returns relative to the returns of other assets and we should see the reliability of making higher returns for a commensurate amount of risk. Okay, just because the stock market makes 10% annually, right? That doesn't mean anything to me. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. Okay, we feel like it does. We feel like there's this magical 10% number, magical number where if you hit double digits, those are the returns that you want annually, right? But that's just not the case. The returns that you end up wanting are just returns that are better than other asset classes on a reliable basis over a long period of time. Okay, if stock if the stock market only gave us five and a half percent annually, right? But bonds were yielding, you know, one percent, and uh, you know you couldn't get good returns in other asset classes, and stocks were really the creme de la creme, even at five and a half percent, right? Then we would still invest in stocks. Okay, but we get this idea of averages really running our life. We get this idea of this is what the market's done over a long period of time, and if it doesn't do that, even over a short period of time, then we should move on to something else. We should find something else that does, and maybe even something that does it in a less reliable way. And that is just not the way that you should go about investing. Uh, it is not reliable to do it that way. You need to be investing over a long period of time and being in the stock market over a long period of time. As you see here, more than half of years are 10% or better, okay, with nearly 20% of years being 30% or better. Okay, so you are going to make good returns over a long period of time if, uh, you know, these things hold, if uh, we have another hundred years that are similar to the last hundred, at least in returns, right? Because the world is way different than it was this past hundred years. But uh, we have to understand that market averages should not run our life. Market averages should not be all that we think about uh, when it comes to our investing. And we have to understand that a normal market environment doesn't exist. Everything is abnormal. Everything is new all the time, right? You may have certain things that you're able to look to and you're like, okay, that looks like that, right? But there's the old Mark Twain quote, and I know so many quotes are attributed to Mark Twain, right? But it's that history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it rhymes, right? Meaning that uh, there are going to be things that you see in your investing life that look really similar to other things, okay? Many people have talked about how uh, the dot-com bubble looks a lot like uh, crypto, or it even looks a lot like uh, our stock market today, okay? But 
it's not the exact same. It's not the exact same set of circumstances. It's not the exact same uh, situation that we were in 20 or so years ago. Okay, so things rhyme, but they are not the same. Okay, so hopefully this helps you to, to have a better uh, perspective when it comes to financial markets and the returns that you can expect. And hopefully, uh, if nothing else, this will uh, make you think twice before just investing over a short period of time. And it will allow you to get in and stay in the market over a long period of time, systematically investing in order to get those long-term average returns. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin working together pushing towards your long-term financial goals and then ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to the show on a day-to-day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host Dylan Howell. God bless.